Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Hey, um, I wonder if anyone here is scared of the dark. Anyone willing to admit it? Yes? Yeah, we've got a few. Has anyone ever done that thing where maybe you're right up the other end of the house and you switch off the light and you make that kind of weird scurry back down so that whatever's in that room that you've just been in and know that there's nothing there doesn't get you? Or maybe you've gone outside and taken the bins outside and you hear something in the bushes and your mind goes to axe murderer. In fact, it's just the neighbour's cat. I'm sure we've all been there. Maybe some of us have grown out of it. Others of us maybe haven't. We tend to be scared in the dark, right? Because we can't always see the dangers that might be posing themselves, right? Things are often colder in the dark. They can be lonely. We feel more isolated. Darkness has the ability to hide things things that maybe we wouldn't be able to hide in the light of day. Perhaps we can get away with things in the darkness that we wouldn't otherwise in the light. In our study of the scriptures of Isaiah over the past month or so, we know that the nation of Israel finds themselves in this darkness, in this spiritual darkness. They've moved away from God. They've started doing things, things that aren't pleasing to God. They aren't a part of the plan. And so today... We're going to have a look at what it looks like to anticipate the light that is to come. The light that will cover all of this darkness. All of the darkness that they experience, all of the darkness we experience. Isaiah 7.13 says this, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. That's the, the nation of Israel. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A baby, a tiny little baby, the most peaceful, the most wise, the most crucial, the most mighty baby to ever bless this earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come around your word today as we anticipate what this next week and this season means to us. Father, would you light those parts of our heart that need lighting today? Father, would you take away any darkness that might be be, uh, hanging over us? And Father, would you illuminate to us through your scriptures uh, what you would have us do, what you would have us um, say, what you would have us feel? Father God, we submit ourselves to you right now as we come before your word that you might teach us and grow us and stretch us in the light of our salvation. Father God, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone been to Antarctica? Nope. I've heard it's really cool there. I'm done. Thank you. (laughs) Right at the centre of Antarctica is the South Pole, right? Um, And we know that temperatures right in the centre of Antarctica, never, the, the, the temperature never goes above freezing point. 
half the year is spent in non-stop sunlight and the other half of the year is constant nighttime. The environment is so dry that it's, it's classified as a desert, in fact, the largest desert in the world. To top it off, it's inhospitable to all forms of life. During the nine months of the winter season, the station is cut off from the rest of the world because the fuel that powers the planes that could go there, the fuel would turn to jelly and wouldn't be able to run the plane. So there's one final chance each February. One final chance until November to get out of there. Everyone who stays is literally stuck there until the summer comes. They call this wintering over. And about a thousand people winter over in Antarctica every year. They live across the continent in remote uh, scientific stations and in complete darkness for six of the nine months they're there. There's no way of getting home. There's no way of going outside. We thought COVID lockdown was rough, and it was. I'm an introvert. I love alone time, don't get me wrong, but six months of darkness and nine months in the cold, even that's a bit of a stretch for me. One of the scientists um, who has wintered over many times is quoted as saying this, the first time you, you winter, it's an adventure. The second time, you do it for the money. But the third time, it's because you don't feel like you fit anywhere else. How sad is that? And because of this wintering over process, there's what's called wintering over syndrome. Some of the symptoms of this syndrome include depression, insomnia, anger or irritability, feelings of hostility to those around you, diminished cognitive performance, absent-mindedness. See, the prolonged darkness, the prolonged isolation, isn't good for us. It seems you start to lose your mind a bit. And we know that the nation of Israel, and particularly the southern kingdom of Judah, that, that we've been looking at throughout this, this study on Isaiah, they're experiencing this, this spiritual darkness too. And the same thing happens as they fall away from God. They're, they're confused, they're disoriented, they're hostile towards one another. They're hostile towards God. So we're starting at the end of Isaiah chapter 8 today, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah 8, verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fear, fearful gloom, and they will, trust, they, will, they will be thrust into utter darkness. See, in the darkness, things aren't as they seem. We get disoriented. How did the people of Israel respond to the gloomy outlook before them? Well, in many ways, their response is not that different to our response all these years later. The first part of this scripture says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? 
Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? The people went to all the wrong places. They couldn't see what was right in front of them the whole time. They went looking for guidance about life, reassurance about the life to come from mediums and spiritists. The obvious person, all these years later, we know is to turn to God, the eternal God, the, the creator God, who's outside of time, who, who shaped this earth and shapes our future. Yet, they prefer to look somewhere else, somewhere that tells them maybe what they want to hear. How many times do we look in the wrong place for wisdom, for peace, for comfort? Maybe it's mediums or horoscopes, or maybe it's far more subtle than that, but equally as distant from God. Maybe it's the news. We know they don't always report the truth, hey, Heather? Or newspapers or social media. Maybe it's popular opinion of those around you, your friends and your family. Sometimes it seems right and it seems good, yet actually it's deceptive and misleading. These things are dressed up to look like things of God. Maybe they look like justice. Maybe they look like love. Maybe they look like devotion. They might seem harmless. They might even maybe seem good, but they're not God, right? We're probably all aware of this term, mindfulness, that gets thrown around here, there and everywhere. Don't get me wrong, spending time in contemplation and solitude and reflection is absolutely a good thing. It seems right and it seems harmless, but is that time in reflection focused on our own worldly desires, our own needs, our own wants, or is it focused upwards? Is it a time of devotion and thankfulness to God for all that he's done and all that he's doing in your life? Is it a prayerful contemplation or is it a self-indulgent relaxation? What about these life coaches that get around telling you how to live better lives, how to get rich and healthy, how to be powerful and influential? Again, it all seems good in worldly terms, but pretty sure the best person to tell you how to live your life is the person who created life itself, right? See, the dark, in the darkness, things seem good, but they may not be. We're lost. We're disoriented. We don't know where to look. In the darkness, we can get desperate. The second part of this scripture says, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they're famished, they will become enraged and looking upwards will curse the, their king and their God. These people blame God. Why has God let this happen to me? Why am I in this situation? Forgetting the whole time their part in the whole situation. Do you ever get angry at God when things don't go your way, to your plan, the way you want it? I think we all do at different points. Today, it's common for people to say, oh, I don't believe in God. I, I can't believe in a God that, that allows suffering in the world which absolutely is an excellent question, one we definitely should explore. But based on this logic, who are you getting angry at? Who are you getting frustrated at? If you, you can't, if you can't uh, fathom the existence of God, who are you getting all frustrated at? They rage against God, who they claim doesn't exist. What happens when you take God out of the picture? 
you're left with without any objective moral standard. You, if you take God away, you take away his justice, his grace, his love. You take away all of those things. We're kind of left with the survival of the fittest. There's no one to hold us to account. No indication of right or wrong. And the result is this, this distress and gloom, this darkness. There's no light of revelation. There's no hope of redemption. Humanity's left to itself. And we all know, as we see through Scripture, that that's not a, a happy prospect. Just like that wintering over syndrome, things take a desperate turn for the Israelites, sometimes for us. Depression replaces God-given joy. Anger replaces perfect peace. Idolatry replaces wisdom and worship. We misplace our hope. We've all been there. Happens to us all. Our minds start to play tricks on us and our thoughts and our emotions can start to take over. We drift away slowly, step by step, away from the truth that we know about life, the truth we know about God. We start to lose sight in the darkness of those things that bring us comfort and security and hope. We start to lose our hope. In the darkness, things are disorienting. Things get desperate. And if nothing changes, over time, in the darkness, we begin to lose our hope. Verse 22 says, Then then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and only darkness and fear, fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. And so by the end of chapter 8, this is where things are at for the Israelites. There's this sense of hopelessness. Keeping, mind, keeping in mind that this darkness, this disobedience, this disorientation, this hopelessness has been for generations. It's not just a you know, a current issue. We see throughout the Hebrew Bible that we know is the Old Testament that from the moment of Genesis 3, when that relationship was broken with God the Father, things go from bad to worse. There's times when the Israelites are closer to God, but then they wander away again. And each time, that chasm between God and the people widens further and further. The longer we're in darkness, in our sin, in our temptations, in that desperation, the more likely we'll start to feel hopeless, like there's no way forward, like there's no solution. So what is the solution to darkness? Not a trick question. Light. We turn the page uh, to Isaiah chapter 9, first verse. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this is a common Christmas scripture that we hear this time of year. We heard last year at the carols. Verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That baby we heard about in chapter 7, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. 
He will be called God with us, Emmanuel. The same baby, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called the Light of the World. A child will be born over 700 years later that will flick on the light to the world for the people of Israel and for the people everywhere. That child whose light would encompass and illuminate the earth once and for all. To this child, the darkness surrenders in the brilliance of his glory, the splendor of his majesty and the might of his salvation, just like that video showed us. Through this child, the darkness will flee. Through this child, we will see again. Through this child, we are shown the way forward. Through him, we're reoriented. Through him, we are no longer desperate. Through him, we have our hope restored. Through him, a baby in a manger in the outskirts of Bethlehem. As Christians... And as people who know how the prophecy of Isaiah plays out, we know we kind of live in this age of now and not yet. We're still between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. We know what is now and we hold a hope in what is to come. And so we still have to deal with this, this physical darkness, not to mention spiritual darkness, emotional darkness, we still have a world where sin and temptation, our human darkness still exists. But praise God, when we know Jesus, this won't be forever. Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Thanks to this child, that he would one day not only be born, but grow into a man the wonderful counsellor with all the wisdom and authority of heaven, a mighty God so powerful that he overcomes death and darkness, not only for himself, but for each and every one of us. He is the everlasting father. Time has no bounds for him. He's eternal. He's forever. And he loves us as his children. The prince of peace, the son of God that would reconcile us once and for all bringing us this eternal comfort and peace, illuminating our true value and our purpose with his incredible light. That same child, that same man, Jesus, the light of the world, went to the cross so that one day we will be restored to him. And on that day, Jesus will return in might, in wisdom, in perfect peace, and we will dwell with him forever. In this light, in the light of his goodness and grace. This is our hope restored. But see, our hope isn't just a wish, right? Our hope in the return of Jesus isn't just a wish for something better than now. Our hope is a joyful and confident expectation of those things to come. Verse 7 says this. Of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
Friends, God doesn't want to leave us in the darkness. He sent his son into the world to be that light. He didn't enter this world in a way that we probably expected. He came as a tiny baby. That same tiny baby that we celebrate in this season and next week at Christmas time. And when we see, see this through the lens of Isaiah's prophecy, it wasn't that unexpected at all. In fact, it was in the scriptures 700 years before this. Yet we were in darkness. We get lost in our worldly emotion, entangled in sin, and lured into temptation. But the light of the world changes everything. I wonder if you feel like at times you're drifting in the darkness. Do you feel disoriented? Do you feel desperate? Maybe you're suffering from some of those symptoms of that wintering over syndrome. Do you need the light of the world to illuminate your path this Christmas? So that maybe you can see the way forward? That maybe you can see his redemptive power at work in your life? That he might be your personal, wonderful counsellor, your mighty God, your everlasting Father and your Prince of Peace, this Christmas, invite him in. Invite his light to invade your darkness. Let's stand as we pray. If you need help to invite Jesus into your situation today, those those areas of your life that might seem dark, that might seem desperate. Maybe you need to invite Jesus into your life for the first time. Or maybe you need to refocus on him again. There's staff and leaders that would love to be able to share, share that with you, help and support you in that today. You're welcome to come forward during the last song or after the service. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, light of the world. We confess that you are here right now. We pray that you might shine your light into the hidden places of our lives, that you would bring warmth and comfort and joy to the cold places of our heart. Would you illuminate those, those places of our heart and in our lives that, that feel desperate, that feel hopeless, that feel beyond our control. Father, would you bring your light to those places? Because we know a little bit of light goes a long, long way. Would you allow us to see your goodness and your grace this Christmas time? Father God, would you fill us with your love and your light as we go today? In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.